Thank you, everybody, and welcome to uh, the latest edition of the Beltway Briefing, Roads in the Midterms Blake, you sound 2018. Tired. I am tired. I, am, I apologize. I am tired. Uh, my name is Blake Rutherford, and I'm joined today, as always, by Mark Alderman, the chairman of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, and Howard Schweitzer, the managing partner of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. Uh, gentlemen, welcome. Um, we are. It's been a long. Couple it's been of a days, long. Yeah. It's been a long. It's been a long couple 40, of years. It has really been a long forty-eight hours. Um, it's Thursday. Right? It's I don't know what day it is, um, but I am I'm thrilled that uh, we are back together again talking um, about what happened on well, I'd say what happened on Tuesday, but then some stuff happened on Wednesday, uh, and and before this call is over, some things are going to happen today. I, I expect. Uh, be that as it may, um, it was great to be with both of you uh, on Election Day. Uh, what a night. Um, lots, of, lots of action. So let's just start there. Mark, what are, what's, your, what's your takeaway from Election Night? The Republicans won the glamour races in Florida and Georgia and Texas. And the Democrats won just about everything else. Won the House by 30-some seats it'll be. Won seven governorships. Flipped 333 and counting state legislative seats. Flipped a couple of state legislatures. It was a, a good night for the Democrats, but in this divided country, uh, they didn't run the table. It was a good not great night for the Democrats I think Mark and everybody else on that side of the aisle expected much more um, certainly well, sounded like much more was going to happen going into uh, uh, going into our call on on Tuesday Blake here's here's my um, here's my take progressivism was rejected yeah um, I think the Democrats underperformed the polls in some key, very key places. Ohio governorship, Florida, Florida Senate and governor way underperformed the polls. I think it's pretty obvious that Trump is a political force. Love him or hate him, think highly of him or lowly of him. Uh, he's a political force. Pollsters still stink. Um, the My... Um, summation on the House is that Democrats ran excellent candidates for the House. They really had their act together as far as picking candidates to run <coughs> against vulnerable Republicans, which hasn't always been the case. And I think Republicans ran excellent candidates for the Senate. You know, these races against tough incumbents like Joe Donnelly, Claire McCaskill, Heidi Heitkamp, excellent candidates that the Republicans ran, and, and that's why they won. So let me just start with the first of several corrections, please. Yeah. I wrote down on a napkin at our call on Tuesday, D's plus 32 in the House, D's plus seven governors, R's plus two in the Senate. So I didn't expect more. I expected this. And that isn't so much about my predictions as it is about what the expectation of people who discounted the hysteria and the polls. The, the polls weren't wrong. They were margin of error. But they, they were, were wrong, Mark. Florida was way I'm, off. I'm Ohio not, was way I off. Am Caitlin's not, nodding, so I know she agrees. <laughs> I'm going to have her come in and correct the... Not, uh, not here to defend the pollsters, <laughs> but... What it depends whether you're looking at a snapshot or a uh, motion picture. When Andrew Gillum was nominated, nobody thought he had a prayer of becoming governor of Florida. He took off like a rocket ship. He came within a point of winning. He fell short, and and so be it. Like we, I'm gonna, we I'm, I, I, right. can I, I got to do one thing. Yep. We in our run-up to our Tuesday call. Yeah. We identified 12 races yep. um, that we thought were races to watch. Yep. The Democrats won four of those 12. So, you know, I, it's not that our random sample is random, and, and maybe, you know, we were picking races where 
there was a bit of an uphill battle for the Democrats, but the point is we picked 12 races that we thought well, were going to be competitive and the D's won a third of them. Well, I, we I picked the we glamour races. We did. I mean, I mean, I, glamour, I, there's no Donnelly, a glamour race. Yeah, well, I think it's a marquee race. I yeah. think you every can't. Senate seat. Right. Is, that's, my that's, point. that's my point. Right? That's, that, point. that's the point. It's that it's that it's a mark. I mean, we could have just as easily picked, picked Michigan, and we could have picked Montana. We could have picked Montana. Which the Democrats won. We could have picked Nevada. And which the Democrats and, won. And not Arizona <clears throat> is still out there. Nevada. Here, Let's get that right. Here, here, here's the only thing <laughs> I will accept, accept that. And, and <laughs> I yield that point. You know, in in. In defense of our our friends in the polling industry, because we would like for them to stay friends with us after after this, I will say, last Tester poll had Tester plus one, right? And he basically won yeah. by a point. Um, the Indiana Senate race had Braun plus one, so he certainly overperformed there. Um, Florida polls were were margin of error polls, but that race isn't called yet. I mean, there's, de- they haven't well, called it. There's a Nelson recount. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah Gillum, I think. Yeah, Gillum is done. Yeah, Gillum is yeah. done. Um, Georgia isn't but called. Georgia isn't but, called. But, 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 but what is, in, in, it's in the national electorate, yeah. Ohio and Florida, Ohio and Florida, Ohio and Florida are the two. Donald Trump. Let me put. They are the two most important. Couldn't states possibly politically more. As Howard Schultz lost the governorship in both of those places because it's not that they're marquee races. You ran bad candidates. Uh, Well, I think I was pointing out that Andrew Gillum wasn't expected to win. But he he wasn't expected to win the primary. But but stop stop. Because, as Howard Schweitzer would say, I couldn't possibly disagree more. First of all, in Ohio, Sherrod Brown won running away, and we lost the governorship. That was a split decision. Because he's a bad candidate. Donald Trump is president of the United States because by a total, an aggregate of 80 or so thousand votes, he won Pennsylvania, he won Michigan, and he won Wisconsin. Pennsylvania is Dems bright blue. Up in those states. Bright blue. Michigan is bright blue. Wisconsin yeah. is very, bright blue. So very true. So if we want to talk about the states that matter, I know Tim Russert said Florida, Florida, Florida. I, I get that, and Florida matters and Ohio matters, but the states that made Donald Trump president flipped against him and hard against him on Wisconsin wasn't hard against him. I mean it's Well Timmy Baldwin won yeah, big. But she's a good candidate running against a bad candidate. That's why I say snapshot or motion picture. If you had told Mitch McConnell on election night uh, 2016 he was only going to take out three of the ten Democrats running in states Trump won, he would have laughed. Here's the thing. It, it was. This is about expectations, and the Democrats underperformed expectations. There is no reason why they should have lost the Florida governor's race, and frankly, well, there's no reason with Sherrod Brown, you know, winning by whatever you know, twenty plus points, that they shouldn't have won the Ohio governor's race. They ran bad candidates. No. And, and, and no let's reason, look at the House. No reason. In 2010, should. Obama's first midterm, 60 seat swing. I'm going to yeah. ask you and a question. You are. Wait, I have to ask sure, Howard sure. a question <laughs> because you happen to be one of the world's leading authorities on this. Can you remind me what the state of the economy was in the 2010 midterms? It, it is was how, not great. How are we doing? Not great. <laughs> not great. Not great. Not great. That's that's your characterization. Not great. Come is, on, man! But, I, come on! But that was a referendum. It was a healthcare decision. It was. It was a reaction. A, it was to healthcare. It wasn't a reaction. All right. To the economy. Here, all right. Well, let's 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 be fair. I'm just saying. Let's be fair to the facts. You have to look at it. But, in, but I do want to agree with one thing, if I, <coughs> if I may, at the risk of alienating all of my uh, listeners <laughs> who don't want to hear me agree with Howard. Uh, Progressives did not dominate the day. 
It, they, they lost the day. Well, the Democrats who got themselves elected to Congress, for the most part, many women, many, many women, and former CIA officers, right. former yeah, military. military types. In, in Pennsylvania, where we flipped five seats, you had Connor Lamb, mm -hmm. a former Marine. You had four <laughs> women, two of whom are b boring corporate lawyers like we are, and the other two of whom are a long, long I'm just, way I'm just from saying, progressive. It, I think it's so running up to the election like the expectation was a wave. And well, it wasn't it wasn't a wave. Well I, net, I, I, net of everything. I, I big splash, no wave. Yeah. But but I think we have to everything is contextual. And the the two points that I think we have to focus on. One is if you look at raw vote total all house races. Yeah, seven percent. Yeah. So generic ballot teetered anywhere from, you know, seven to nine as 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 it came out. Big number. I mean plus seven's a big number. It's a bigger number than ninety four. It's a bigger number than ten, which leads me to my next point, which is it is harder to win sixty seats because of the way the map's drawn. Right. And it's not it's not it's not a I'm not making an excuse for Democrats. I think no. everyone would agree that that's the beauty. If you win and you win at the right time, you get to draw the maps. Right. And Republicans won at the right time and they yeah. got to draw the maps. I think there are two huge victories for the D's. All all of our uh, I feel like this is political punch out <laughs> with you and Jim Schultz Mark. Um, I think I've been getting along. I'm very concerned. Two two huge victories for the Democrats. Number one, the rejection of progressivism mm -hmm. is a victory yeah. for the Democrats. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, certainly. Um, the fact that Gillum and O'Rourke, both of whom ran very progressive candidacies, Gillum and Governor Governor of Florida, O'Rourke Senate in Texas, O'Rourke should have won that race, but he ran from too progressive a perspective, and he lost to a guy who people don't like. Um, <clears throat> that's really good because it it's it's a wake-up call for those that think that Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are the answer for 2020. They're not. It's good for Joe Biden. It's good for other yeah. uh, more moderate Democrats. That's really good as far as bringing some discipline to the party message, I believe, going into 2020. That's one thing. The other thing is there was a ballot measure passed in Florida mm -hmm. that and um, elsewhere. Oh, is it elsewhere yeah. as well? But most that but Florida enables the former yeah. um, convicted felons to yeah. vote. It's one point yeah. two million people. Yep. <laughs> now not all of those people are gonna vote, but in, in an electorate that's always razor thin in Florida, that is a huge deal going forward. Yep. And so it's things like that. I think you have to look beyond yeah. The, the ping-ponging Mark and I are doing <coughs> over, you know, they both won and they both lost is, like, the fact of the matter. But there are some victories within the victory for well, the and Democrats and, and for yeah, the Republicans. Right, I mean, and, and surprises on both sides. I mean, the Democrats picking up the Kansas governorship, which is a pretty big rebuke of, of Trump because of who the Republican candidate was. And, and so you, you see that bright spot. But then at the same time, Trump weighs in heavily in a, Florida primary, and then yeah. his candidate wins yeah. wins in Florida. So I think the other story that is a big W for the country and for Democrats is the diversity of the candidates who won on the Democratic side, mostly on the Democratic side, and who are now going to Congress. This is going to be a House of Representatives that looks much more like America than it did or than it does today. I just think that's good for the country, apart from ideology and progressive or or not. That that is a a good thing. Yeah. I just gotta say, I just and a fact, please. The last time a Democrat won a statewide race in Texas was in 1988. For Beto O'Rourke to come within three yeah, points of Ted Cruz, and maybe could have won had he had he run a different it race, was, maybe not. But I 
I don't see that as a rejection of progressivism. Your point otherwise is well taken. And and by the way, I'm I'm all for that. It's absolutely a rejection of progressivism. He ran too progressive a campaign. He didn't run Connor Lamb's campaign. Well, if he had run if he had run Connor Lamb's campaign on a statewide basis in Texas, he would have won. Counterfactual. But that's I, not. I, you don't know who wouldn't have come out if if he had run Connor Lamb's campaign. But let's let's pivot, if we may, to the non-pivot. Well, in the White House, <laughs> or, or are we not ready? Like for that? there are some other um, there's some other interesting things like Medicaid expansion yep. in three red, very yep. red states: Idaho, Idaho, yep. Utah, I think, and Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, the other thing that caught my eye is that the exit polling shows that healthcare is a dot is the was the dominant issue, followed by immigration. I told you guys on Tuesday that immigration was going to play more um, than people were thinking, and then followed by the economy. Healthcare forty one percent, and the I think this was the NBC poll. Immigration twenty three, the economy twenty one. So. You know, if you combine the immigration and the economy, it's kind of equal with healthcare. And I mean, look, the immigration message clearly, clearly motivated some people. The economy uh, motivates some people. Medicaid was a huge winner on on Tuesday yeah. in three respects. One, the three red states that actually adopted Medicaid expansion. Two, I believe it was three states, Maine, and I'm forgetting the other two at the moment. But I believe it was three states that flipped red to blue mm-hmm. and now, now will governors supporting Medicaid expansion. Yep. And the House flipping control means no more repeal and non-replace. Right. Right. So Medicaid was a big winner on, uh, on Tuesday, which is a really strong underscoring of the healthcare point. I think that, um, yeah, I mean, look, healthcare people, healthcare is, is a proxy for the economy. It's people voting, you know, on economic impact. Immigration's a proxy for the economy. People vote their wallets and they're gonna continue to. They don't vote on foreign policy where, you know, we didn't even talk about that the other day. We, we don't talk about it enough. I think there's some good things happening on the foreign policy front um, that, that don't get talked about. But, um, you know, the, I think the question is, what does it mean for, what does the new order now mean for clients? Yeah. Like, what what is it, does it matter that the Democrats are in control of the <laughs> House? Of course it matters. <clears throat> um, well, I'll give you one example of what it means uh, for clients and the country as we all know uh, Article One of the United States Constitution requires that all budget matters, all spending matters, originate in the House of Representatives. The Democratic-controlled House of Representatives is going to send the Republican-controlled Senate a spending bill, and that matters to anyone interested in, in what Congress is going to be spending our money on. But it was already bipartisan, because who did... Trump sat down with to cut his spending deal before he sat down with, quote, Chuck and Nancy. The air quotes are going up. I actually think one of the losers in this whole thing is Chuck Schumer because um, Nancy Pelosi and the the House Democrats are are now going to be looked to as the standard bearers for the Democratic Party. And... The Senate still, the Democrats in the Senate still matter. The Senate is still the upper chamber, but a little less relevant. Uh, you know, less. Yeah, and that's, that's not where the some people on the, the Democratic side are second guessing uh, Leader Schumer and and his whole strategy with Kavanaugh and yeah. and more. So yeah, I think it was not a great day for Chuck Schumer as the money. Also, there are, I think it's 11 Democrats that have been elected in the House that have said they will not support Nancy Pelosi for Speaker. The margin isn't, I mean, what's it going to be at the end of the day? 20 plus seats? Uh, 30 plus? It's, it's, 
thirty plus. It, and her yeah. speakership <clears throat> is not. Well, we'll see so what the next week brings. It's not guaranteed. She's going to end up with a challenge, I believe. And um, well, she's we'll for see. sure going to end up with a challenge. She picked up a big endorsement yesterday, though, because the president tweeted his <laughs> yeah, support. Right. So I I think that's probably the beginning and end of the matter. Well, you're kidding, but you have to be a, you're elected by a majority of the House, no, not a majority of your party. And what he was saying is, I want Nancy Pelosi to be the speaker correct. because guess right. what? I'd rather run against Nancy Pelosi than well, he Tim Ryan from Ohio or whoever the Trump, alternative is. Trump has a new cast for his reality TV show. He has Nancy Pelosi, he has Jerry Nadler, he has Maxine Waters, Maxine Waters, uh, Adam Schiff, and, Look, when you, and more, and that's going to be when you. It's going to be ugly when you have the reins of power. It's different than when you can yeah. throw, you know, yeah. fireballs in from the outside. It's a lot different, and the Good. Democrats now We're, own. Part of the policy making apparatus and the expectations that come along with it and as a result you know yeah, yeah I mean, they're a target yeah i mean i think well, rightly going, so. back, going back to i'm your, still in favor of joe crowley being speaker <laughs> i think and you there's don't a, actually have to be a member of the house yeah, to be a 29 year old um new yorker that got elected that you know kind of She's voting against you. Yeah, yeah. she's voting he against you. The one on Staten Island. Going back to this issue of Max Rose, yeah, of the Max one on commuting. You know the implications of this. We talked about the budget. Certainly, the oversight function um, becomes more interesting. And I'm not. I'm not just talking about the administration. Although I think it is important to note anyone with sort of tentacles that reach into that universe can find themselves sort of on the receiving end of an inquiry potentially so so you know understanding how to navigate congressional whether it's an investigation whether it's just hearings whether it's there's going to be more of that activity is yeah, that no fair to say yeah, yeah. um scrutiny of things like what decisions it's got to be a, there's gonna be a lot of epa scrutiny right it's gonna be a lot of department uh, of the interior scrutiny, scrutiny everybody's right. thinking education about mm-hmm. things like right you know the Russia stuff and all that, but the the scrutiny. Yeah, that's what I was. I wanted to get more in policy the, scrutiny. Right, right, and yeah. that's real, and it, it's important. It's part of the Constitution. It's important. It's gonna it's gonna happen. It should happen. It's it's good. Yeah. Um, can I just make my Nancy Pelosi prediction so I can be right again? Sure. Or, or wrong, as is more often <laughs> the case. I think she should, and I think there's a real chance that she will announce before she runs for speaker that she's not running for re-election in 2020 that this is her final term in congress and she is running for speaker and going out as speaker but going out and turning over the gavel so yeah if, I mean, if you're listening speaker <laughs> she's already said she being a lame duck is not a lame duck speaker is not a good position to be in, so maybe you're right, but I suspect you're wrong. It would help. Yeah, I wish she had elected, it wouldn't help govern. Yeah, she has said, she has said that she is, she, or she has implied, I think is probably more appropriate to say, that <clears throat> the tent needs to be bigger, that the faces of the Democratic Party need to be more than hers. That her strengths fundraising, you know, one which, um, <clears throat> whether it's accurate or not, the, you know, the thought that she's connected to at least fifty cents of every dollar that was raised um, for a house by the DCCC yeah. um, this cycle, and <clears throat> but recognizing that that her strengths fundraising and you know. The, architecting legislative victories which is a very important i mean it's what she just it's did what, right and she just um did. and and then being able to get legislation through i mean obviously the affordable care act being the 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 monumental achievement of 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 her first speakership um so you know there there are those strengths but i think it 
there seems to be, Mark, at least some self-awareness this go-round. That that what the the potential for the Democratic Party to be defined by a person, not by an agenda, um, it seems to be on their mind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Howard, with that with that in mind, mm-hmm. um, I mean, Democratic House, Republican Senate. Anything going to get done in the next two years? A lot's going to get done. Um, it's not necessarily going to be bleak legislatively for, as far as big tickets. Yeah. I mean, first of all, so much, tons of bills that Congress will pass that people won't talk about because they're just not the big ticket. They're not the glamour items, to use yeah, your term Not sexy earlier. enough, yeah. Um, the Congress and the president could get something done on infrastructure. It's a matter of whether, you know, they're going to come together and agree to put politics aside or see enough. They're not going to put politics aside. That's a silly thing to say, but they're going to see enough in it for each of them that they're going to be able to hold their noses and, and get something done. Um, obviously, on things like health care, nothing is going to happen legislatively. They're not going to be able to agree on anything. But a ton is still going to get done around this town. Donald Trump is still the president, um, and a lot's going to get done administratively. Look, everybody from a, a media point of view focuses on Congress, but most of governing happens in the executive branch. I mean, yeah. there's a reason each party wants to control the White House, and that's because each and every day inside these agencies, a ton gets done, and Congress has its oversight power, and that has changed, you know, significantly with the Democrats taking the House because committee chairmen can, they have subpoena power and they have the power to request information, even short of a subpoena that they don't have when they're in the minority. But the reins of government are still held by the Trump administration, yep. and it's inside the bowels of government that things get get done that. Commas get moved in regulations, and regulations get rewritten, and investment decisions are made, and, and monetary decisions are made, and foreign policy gets done. I mean, that's where, that's really where the power comes from. And so, as much as the D's taking the House is a change, the more things change, the more they stay the same. This town, this isn't a tectonic shift. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I think in healthcare in particular, that's exactly right, because the Democrats taking the House saved the Affordable Care Act from repeal and non-replace, but administratively, it's perfectly clear the, um, the Trump administration intends to continue rewriting <coughs> the law through its regs and and you will see I think an acceleration of that now that it's obvious that there'll be no legislation and repeal and replace didn't get done in an all Republican Congress so what's the again the more things change the more they stay the same you know I I don't know if either of you speared yourself up 90 minutes yesterday to watch Trump's bizarre press conference I did. Um, huh? I did. Yeah. So, all right. So a little bit. <laughs> I just so, wanted to watch the Jim Acosta. Look. Um, don't don't forget his uh, start in uh, the World Wrestling Federation. Right. <laughs> so WWF comes to uh, the comes to the East Room. Right. Yeah. yeah it comes to the East Room. Um, but setting aside his antics and pacing and you know all the craziness that that took place he did Howard seem to telegraph um, whether he's being honest or not you know we'll find out but that that he recognizes that he's if he does want to do anything he's got to work with the Democrats he's got to cut deals um, do you, did you was that I must not have heard that part of the press conference he <clears throat> said that the number of times at the same time he was saying if there's an investigation 
in the House, then there's going to be an investigation yeah. in the Senate. Yeah. He was asked explicitly, can you work with Democrats while they're investigating you? And he said no. No. He said you can't investigate and make policy. So. He literally said it's a yeah. war. Yeah. And it's words and music. That There was no music of cooperation there. No music of cooperation there. That, he, that was not a man who thought he won anything on Tuesday. No, I, mean, I don't know about that. I think he's a showman. And he's putting on a show because guess what? People don't like the media with very good reason. And um, he's playing to, um, he's putting on a show. He's putting on a show for his base. He's putting on a show for people that came out to vote. He's fighting back, which frankly, if you look yeah. at the exit poll, look, I don't like him. I, I'm not a Trumpster. I've said it a thousand times. I come from a very different universe than, than that which is governing, you know, today. But um, he's putting on a show because it sells politically. He's putting on a show. You said it. And it's true. He's putting on a show for his base. And that is why he has been the most unpopular president since polling began. Not Mark. And, that's and why he will remain so because he's not trying to govern for the people who didn't He's not the him. most look I, it's so hard for me on these calls because he, I sometimes have to defend what Blake I think is the <laughs> indefensible but he's right. he's not the most he's not the least popular president ever he NBC exit poll yesterday 44% approval rating Ronald Reagan had an 8 42% approval rating at his first midterm George W. Bush had a 30-something percent approval rating at his second midterm. He's not the least popular president. Ronald George Reagan, Bush was upside down by over won, 20 points. Ronald so we just have won the popular vote going. I'm not talking about his exit polls. I'm talking about the two you're years talking about his the, popularity. You don't like him. But, but no, Mark, no. we went a, several months ago. You and I went out to Pittsburgh. To talk to a bunch of our clients who are located in Pittsburgh and in, in that region and it was the room was markedly different than room a room would be in Philadelphia at the other side of the state or New York or Washington or Los Angeles right. or San Francisco right. or San Diego the fact of the matter is there as you said earlier there's division in this country and and but that's my point it's really? a mistake it's it is a mistake to continue to assert that he's universally unpopular because you go to sit in a room full of business people Howard I didn't in say a place like Pittsburgh that's not that's not the northeastern liberal echo yeah. chamber and people have a different view let me ask you a question is Donald Trump trying to expand beyond the people who support him. Do you think he is on a program of governing no. for all the people? Or no, but either people? was Barack Obama. I don't agree with that at all. At all. As you would say, I couldn't possibly disagree more. I like say that? Many, many people think from, Barack from Obama. Time to time. From time to time. He made a big mistake, many, many people think, spending two years trying to get Republican support for the Affordable Care Act. He spent two years and didn't get a didn't, single vote. He didn't try to get Republican support for Absolutely. the Affordable Care Act. Um, he jammed it through, Mark. He jammed it through after two years and no support, not a single vote. I do not think Donald but Trump is trying to reach across the aisle. That's and my point. The question, the pending question yeah, the pending is, is question the president work with the right. Democrats? This I say, much more fun than I say no. <laughs> I say no. And I heard you say no, but I don't want to put words in no, your I mouth. Ju I just think... He's if, not trying. I think he's not working with them. And when the first subpoena lands, if the Democrats, that, that'll be the end of even. All right, nice, rhetoric. nice. All right, so nice segue because yesterday the president fired uh, the attorney general, Jeff Sessions. Um, we we have an acting AG, Mark Whitaker, who looks <laughs> almost well, exactly like maybe. our colleague Jim Schultz. Yeah. May have um, an acting AG. There, the whole thing may not have been lawful, and we'll find well, out. So yeah, right, right, right. So there's a point being there. It's it, it, 
It's actually a simple factual and legal question. Right. When you send a letter that says, I am resigning as you requested, did you resign or were you fired? Right. He's the answer, a lot turns. Yeah, that's what he said. He's run for Senate. A lot turns on the answer to that question. Absolutely, it does. Um, it it does. So we've got we've got some uncertainty of justice. Rod Rosenstein, who was overseeing the Mueller investigation, is no longer overseeing the Mueller investigation. That falls to quote acting AG Mark Whitaker, whom whatever uh, that's gonna that's gonna look like, um, but. We knew the president was no fan of his attorney general, and we knew that there would be a shakeup at some point. Um, timing and justice, and it sort of just sort of creates an obvious to me rationale for the new Congress to. Pay very close attention I think there was, to what's happening at DOJ. Yeah, there there was a one percent chance that the incoming House Judiciary Committee didn't investigate Trump's relationship with the Department of Justice. The one percent went away yesterday. He, what he did was guarantee that investigation. And my only point is. <coughs> Not whether he resigned or was fired. Everybody knows he was fired. And if litigation is brought, that is my prediction how it will come out, which unravels the... the what litigation? Well, it, the, a lot turns on whether he resigned or was fired. If he resigned, an acting attorney general can be uh, appointed from the department. If he was fired, the acting attorney general assumes that position. And that I could Google for you the uh, statute that um, that governs that. And, and there's litigation being considered. We'll see. But my point is these are not the actions of a man trying to heal a divide, right. trying to right. bridge a, a gap in the country. These are the <coughs> actions of a man who's interested in his in people who support him. He stood at that press conference and mocked Republicans who lost yes. their races. <laughs> that was quite and, something. And I will give you your I'll give you points for something you always say, Howard. He's not a Republican. He stood there and yeah. mocked Republicans who lost their but races. He, he what he did is he mocked them for not having embraced him. Right. I mean, very explicitly, that's what yeah, he that's said. Yeah, that's what he said, yeah. And is that a surprise? No, because <laughs> he, Trump is all about Trump. So here we have a, we do have a number of races that are that are still outstanding. We have about 11 House races that, that haven't been called, at least before this call. Um, I, I, haven't, I haven't checked in. We have the Arizona Senate race that hasn't been called. The Florida Senate race hasn't been called, and then we have we have a runoff in Mississippi, um, and then this Georgia governor's race. And uh, Brian Kemp is uh, the Secretary of State has announced that he's going to resign um, as Secretary of State effective today. Um, looks like that um, a runoff happens if Stacey Abrams. Garners about fifteen thousand more votes is the is the speculation. So um, I don't know if and when we'll we'll know more about that. But Mark, any any reaction well, to thoughts about this? Just those? saw come across my phone that uh, Kemp resigned yeah. as Secretary of State, which is a start right. towards a fair count. Uh, again, it, it depends. <clears throat> Where you stand depends on where you sit. Uh, if you started out Tuesday thinking Stacey Abrams was going to be governor of Georgia, it's a disappointment that she may not get close enough for a recount that may not make her governor in any event. If, if you started out, and I think we can run the tape from our call on Tuesday, if you started out saying she's not going to win, it's remarkable that she is getting this close, Right. Then, then it was a, a good night. Um, 
But I don't think Bill Nelson's going to be, he's not going to keep Good. his job. That recount isn't going to work. Recounts almost never, right? almost never change the result. I mean, it's a good night if you win. It's a bad night if you lose. This is this is black and white. It's not shades of gray. You either occupy the mansion or you don't. And it's it's a clear rejection of a certain um, kind of candidacy, a progressive candidacy. Again, Mark, I think it's really good for the Democratic Party to bring that kind of message discipline in now as opposed to learning a hard lesson two years from now well and, and i mean and we, okay with that yeah and we can also say i just don't think it was all that clear i mean i think i would have welcomed a clearer rejection frankly. yeah <laughs> well and, and and you know the thing that we didn't talk about about how great of a night it was for democrats we had a democrat in texas state rep who got elected he's in jail right and he got he got reelected. Huh? So and a couple uh, of uh, Republican yeah. congressmen, yeah, who might be going to jail, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so, so there you right. for there you have it. Well, I don't know, had, for what, for what we had, right? He had a Republican in Nevada elected to the state legislature. I forget whether it was Senate or um, House, who um, was in jail, but now he's dead. Oh, right. 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 <laughs> you know, so, as we always so Republicans say, have a big tent. Candidates. Dead guys, convicted felons, indicted felons. <laughs> it's a big tent, the Republicans. As we always say, them. you know, the, yeah, you really have to look at the candidacies. You know, Jackie Rosen, an excellent Democratic candidate yeah. for Senate, beat the incumbent, Dean Heller. Richard Cordray, and not an excellent Democratic candidate for governor, lost to Mike DeWine in Ohio, a very good Republican candidate for, for governor, a former senator, current attorney general. It's all about, the at the end of the Ohio day, is, it's about uh, the candidates. The irony in Ohio is that uh, even though they have an incumbent Republican governor, the new Republican governor uh, will be to the right of, of the incumbent. He. Uh, John, right. John Kasich, of course, being replaced right. by DeWine. It, the needle's moving uh, away from the center with that one. So as we think about the sort of state of the country, I mean, one of the big headlines people that seem to articulate, and I think that, that we forecasted, the country is divided. Mm -hmm. um, red states got redder. Um, some purple states became more of a shade of blue, um, but blue states were were blue. Um, I can't help but now start to think about the next election because why not? Um, what do you what do you both think about what it what it means for 2020? And let's let's try and let's start handicapping what how we think that election evolves. Well, you go first, Blake. <laughs> I'll, I'll start. My, you know, as I've been saying a couple times on this call, progressivism isn't it's, isn't going to win a national election, I don't believe. And, again, I think that's good for the Democrats because Trump is very beatable. And, if you know, it would be a mistake for the Democrats to run Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren as their party's nominee especially since Bernie's a socialist and isn't even a member of the Democratic Party, which right. is a whole different discussion. Um, and, and they're both very Trumpian in their own right. Those would be bad candidacies, I believe, for the Democratic Party. And I think Tuesday was a wake-up call for the, for the Democrats in that regard. You know, I also think, if you looking at the map, it's obviously there's the urban versus rural divide there's the coast versus the middle i mean if you if you look at the map of the country the coasts are blue and the middle you know not too far out before it turns all red and if the democrats want to seize the moment like they should be able to and and win the presidency in in two years they better figure out how to appeal to that room in pittsburgh that I was talking about a little bit ago, not just the room in Philadelphia. I don't have a name for you as soon as 
I do. I'll be happy to share it. Uh, an exclusive to the yeah, right. Way right. Briefing. <laughs> right. But I think it's to, to be dead serious for one second or two. What this country needs is someone to bring it together. What this country desperately needs is someone to bridge the divide that is getting deeper and darker every day. That someone is not Donald Trump, whatever you think of yeah. his tax bill and anything else. He is going to run, if he is even the Republican nominee in 2020, which he's a favorite to be, obviously, but it's a long two years, but he is going to run a base election. If the Democrats run a base election, maybe we win, maybe we lose, but we're doing the country no good. And someone, I hope, I hope, will step up and start pulling this thing together. Um, my nominee would be our colleague Evan Bayh, but I know he's not uh, announcing his candidacy. So I'm going to have to get you another name, Blake. No, but it's somebody in the spirit of Evan Evan Bayh. It's even, I mean, unfortunately, Joe Biden would be 78 years old when he would be inaugurated as the next president of the United States. I mean, it's kind of unfathomable to me, as youthful as he may be, yeah. that we would be electing somebody who would be 82 during his during his presidency. Two years older than Trump. But he, right, I mean, it, right. So no, we, I, that's... We might do it one way or the right. other. Right, but that would be, yeah. you know, it's a guaranteed, pretty much guaranteed one-term presidency. That doesn't feel like a good move. Stylistically, he feels like somebody who could be more of a uniter than yep. than a divider. He'd be a heck of a lot better than Hillary Rodham Clinton was, you know, a couple of years ago. Can you imagine well, what the midterm result would have been for the Democrats if she were the president right now? Um, so, but there are people. There are people out there that are just lesser knowns. Yeah, there are people like. Seth Moulton from Massachusetts, more moderate, people with military credentials, more moderate Democrats who um, people are talking about. They're not necessarily out talking about themselves. It's but Steve Bullock. Yeah, Montana. Who's out there running. And yeah, yeah. Nobody on this call knows his name. Right. right. But, but there's a, yeah. a guy who is... Trying to pull folks together, not right. push them apart. I mean, Michael Bloomberg is talked about a lot personally. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that, um, as a Jewish person, I can say that I don't believe the country is going to elect Michael Bloomberg president of the United States in part because he's Jewish, unfortunately. That's too bad. Um, and he, but he's also in his mid 70s. Mm -hmm. So, um, so what are like the D's need somebody to come along who's not in his or her mid seventies? And by the way, her, the operative word there may be her. Right. I, I mean, I, the other thing I was going to say. I mean, I mean, and yeah. And as much as you know, you can take issue with Trump. He there was an authenticity to him that resonated. Yeah, that's you why know, he won. Clearly, I mean, and and so. I think that <clears throat> I think that the demo and there was an inauthenticity uh, to Hillary that was I mean it wasn't just palpable I mean it just it was everywhere um, and so Trump's authentic because he tells the truth when he can yeah when he well as I've said as I've as I've said in my I mean when you can tell the truth yeah um, well, sometimes sometimes, sometimes you can't yeah. because. He my point, he's not politically correct any tweets. Yeah, my, my point is that 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 there is that authenticity to Joe Biden. I think right. the circumstance has been different had he jumped in the twenty sixteen race. I think the whole this we're, we're in a completely different dimension of the world if he if he had gotten in that race. Um, but the you know the Democrats are gonna have to are gonna have to think that through. I mean a couple of things to you know <clears throat> to note and some some friends i mean Cher brown winning big amy klobuchar yeah, from minnesota just cleaned up i mean yeah and and probably the only bright light for the democrats coming out of the kavanaugh hearings and she's um probably the most bipartisan democrat 
in the uh, in the Senate mm -hmm. now. Right. I mean, right. after Tuesday. Right. Um, you know, Kamala Harris is going to run. Yep. Cory Booker's going to run. Kirsten Gillibrand's going to run. I don't think either, I don't think any of those three people have a have a chance. But you forgot your favorite. Is that Mark? Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah Elizabeth's going to run. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. I just don't think that, she, I just think she's too far they're, left. They're not what the country needs. Yeah. And they're really two different questions. One is who can get elected president? The other is, what does this country need? And maybe, maybe not one of those candidates could find a path to the presidency. Maybe, maybe not. It would be base on base, and it would be base is what it would be. The question be is, who polls the Democrats, the union Democrats that voted for Trump in Ohio and Michigan, in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, back over to the Democratic side of the aisle? And and you know takes that vote away from Trump because as you said earlier, Mark, yeah. that made the difference. And I, yeah. I don't think it's, as, as, I don't think it's Elizabeth Warren. I don't think it's Bernie Sanders. I think it's somebody more, it, more moderate. I mean, it, it really will be. I mean, again, we're, we're forty eight hours removed from from one election, so let's let's already start <laughs> talking about Iowa. Um, it's not that far away. But it's really not. No, I mean, and, and these candidates are going to be in this race by, you know, whether it's, you know, by the holidays or just at the turn of the new year, they're going to be in this race. I mean, it's they're, they're going to start organizing. Iowa is a tricky, tricky place. and Iowa now has three Democratic Congress. I was going to say. And one Republican. Don't forget right. about um, Avenatti. You know, I think Mark, he's got a great <laughs> shot. He's been out in Iowa. He's I, been up in New Hampshire. No, I agree. I think it's he's, he's a Trump Avenatti team. Yeah, right. right. In either order. I don't care, <laughs> what, I don't care which, which side. Well, I don't know. He'd be running for the Democratic nomination, Mark. Uh, unlikely. <laughs> unlikely. What a joke. That guy's such a joke. But, yeah. um, but anyway, it, it will be interesting. I do think that, you know, from the... From the heartland perspective, Iowa becomes, based on what happened there politically, um, this cycle becomes a really fascinating dynamic yep. for all these Democrats and, um, and, and something to watch. So, look, I mean, here we are. We're, 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 we're almost on the other side of the, of the midterm election. Still some races to be decided. Um, but then we'll, we'll kick it into high gear and in a new Congress, and we'll see what happens. Um, it's, I think, going to be fascinating. I certainly want to thank you guys again for, for all the coverage of, of the midterms. For those of you that are tuning in, perhaps for the first or um, second time, you can grab all our content at copublicstrategies.com. Um, certainly comments. Uh, questions, criticisms of the moderator, always welcome. Presidential analysis at Cozen.com. Um, and then, of course, you can you can keep up with us um, on Twitter. So uh, thanks for listening. Thank you again, Mark and Howard. Thank you. Blake. Thanks, Blake. Thanks, Jeff. Mark.